Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. This is about an uh, evil genius in love. Evil genius mind. It woke me up from my sleep and I don't like it. No, you're an evil genius is what you are. If this works, you're, you're some kind of a, a evil genius. Honest to God. Hello and welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles. I am your little podcast buddy, Dave Slusher. This show is being recorded for January 20th, 2023. History will look back and say, what was going on? <laughs> for that and about, the oh, I don't know, the eight years preceding it. It's like, what was happening in America? Actually, I'm being... Uh, <laughs> I'm being awfully optimistic if I think there will be a future to look back on this history. So there you go. First, the business. This show is not kid safe, not work safe, not, I don't know, mega safe, uh, not clergy safe. It's just not safe. Ugh, I mean, let's get in the bunker together, kids. <laughs> this is a hard hat zone show. The show is Creative Commons licensed 4.0. Non-commercial attribution unported. That is not the correct order of those things. But you should get the gist. Theme music is by the late great band, The Gentle Readers. Oh, they were so kind uh, when I said, boy, we should really have some paperwork. <laughs> 18 years into this, on my use of the thing, we did a handshake deal in 2004. We should maybe have some paperwork in case the handshakies die. <laughs> but uh, I haven't done it yet. Backbeat me. I'm still in the intro. Good Lord, dude. Uh, bandwidth, bandwidth is via Cashfly under the kind auspices of the kind folks at Backbeat Media. I do not speak for my day job. I have one. They're fine folks doing fine work, but I am not on brand for them right now, so let's keep them out of this. <laughs> this is me on my own time and my own opinions doing my own thing, okay? First, let's have a song. And I found out about this one by one of my main new mechanisms for finding unfamiliar music, and that is a child who finds it and plays it. I don't know how the child finds all this stuff, but this is a band called The Crane Wives. And uh, for Christmas, we got a pool table, so we're actually spending a lot of time in the game room playing pool. And uh, quite often, Crane Wives, just random Crane Wives is the uh, soundtrack to that. And some of these songs sound kind of like the chicks. Some of these songs sound very Fleetwood Mackie to me. Uh, R.I.P. Christine McVie. There are some like Christine McVie sounding songs on here. Um, and they sound kind of bluegrassy, but there's drums. And so there's a there's a stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Um, and I'm going to play one of these ones. Uh, some of them are somber and contemplative. I wanted a, this is like actually shorter than I want, but I wanted something upbeat because I just I don't want to be contemplative today. I want to be upbeat. So here we go. This is Decrane Wives with Turn Out the Lights from the album Fox Lore. You don't have to believe every single thought that tumbles through your head Just cause it sounds like you talking Sometimes all you can do is say goodnight and tuck your demons in the bed Cause they're not worth fighting Turn out the lights on your 
It is not only a good song, it's good advice. You don't have to believe every single thought that tumbles out of your head just because it sounds like you talking. You can take that one to the bank. The Crane Wives, the song is Turn Out the Lights from the album Fox War. I believe this. I don't. I have done very little research. I think their entire catalog is like self-produced, self-published. Like I don't believe there's any record label concern in any of this. And this shit sounds so good. It sounds like a million bucks. It sounds like, I don't know, Mutt Lang <laughs> produced it or, <laughs> I don't know, uh, Rick Rubin. Or I, pick pick a, a big name producer. It sounds great. And uh, it sounds better than some of your like commercial radio music. And I think it's them in a, like, a home studio. So anyway, The Crane Wives is one of my new favorites. All right. Um, for those wondering, thinking, I forgot the reading of the patrons. I'm going to begin doing it at the end, partly because um, uh, when I look at the format, and I, let's be honest here, uh, 18 years into the show, I spend, I spend probably less time on any of the SEO formatting, how do you build an audience stuff, than like an 18-year-old kid who starts today is going to think more about that stuff than I have. Somebody who was born the day this show started uh, will put more effort into that stuff. I generally just don't care. Around the time uh, when I knew that I was going into the Podcast Hall of Fame and between, you know, like that month between when I knew and when I set everything up and it was announced and then I did it. I, I thought, I actually did do a little introspection of the show and I thought, you know, this format is so fucked up. My intro is too long. <laughs> My, uh, you know, like, just the montage and then the theme song, it's like a minute in before you even hear me speak. And then I do the business and then i play a song so i'm not even starting the show and then i do the reading of the patrons so i'm not even starting the show until like 10 minutes in i don't know if that's right <laughs> also i kind of sort of i just barely care so i'm moving the reading of the patrons to the end of the show um somebody uh i think on discord commented that they thought i was nuts for just reading it cold every single time especially when it's like the biggest thing i may actually record it play it and then um like get one good recording and then only ever re-record it when the uh, list changes. That's possible. Uh, we're getting older here around the old podcast. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta find our edges where we can. Um, one of the uh, a nerd topic right off the top. I don't believe I talked about this. Uh, actually, I could probably, uh, if I were one day further in my journey, I could use the tool I'm talking about to know if I talked about the tool I'm talking about, and that is Whisper from OpenAI Project. So uh, I saw a random reference to somebody saying that this has gotten really good. It's a it's a thing that you get down locally on your machine, and then it is a speech-to-text. So it's a, you know, it's the audio version of OCR. It'll take your audio files and transcribe them. And people were saying, it is shockingly good. And I thought, huh, how good could it be? And so I go, I get it down, I install it on my computer, I run it against... 30 seconds of audio. I have the old um, promo I did during the dog days of podcasting 2015. And I ran that thing. And it sure looked to me like it was possibly word for word correct. <laughs> like every single word correct. Like, holy crap. 
So then I, I uh, experimented and I took the, the most recent show at that time and ran it over that. And it's not word for word correct over, you know, 45, 50 minutes. Um, particularly uh, uh, the, the Sonoff, the brand name Sonoff, which is S-O-N-O-F-F, was sewn hyphen off like i cut it off and then i sew it sewed it on and then i it's been sewn off i don't know so there's some you know some weird proper name brand name stuff but in general it's highly readable so there's been some discussion about how this gets used um conceivably it's just not quite good enough really to do an unedited um, public transcript. Like I wouldn't say, here's the transcript and put it out. I would have to go through and edit it. Now, as somebody back in the reality break days, uh, who took cassette tapes and I still have them, the transcriber machine that is a cassette player with a foot pedal, like a sewing machine that you can, that you can start and stop it and rewind it with the foot pedal so that you can put your feet on the keyboard and then use the foot pedal to rewind the thing. So you can transcribe tapes without, um, without, getting your fingers off the keyboard. When did I buy that fucking thing? I bought that in Atlanta. I did I I either bought it in Portland or Atlanta. So we're like late 90, like we're talking like 97 to 2003 ish, somewhere in there. And I'm pretty sure it was like a Craigslist purchase. Cause I bought it from a local person. It could have been a Usenet purchase. I mean, like Atlanta for sales or something, something. I think I paid $50 for this thing. Um, I, Got my use out of it because I absolutely uh, transcribed uh, some of those reality break interviews. But uh, now what I would do is I would digitize them, run them through Whisper, and then just do a minor edit. I'll, so probably I could get rid, I should and could get rid of that uh, machine. That's an old piece of tech. It's cumbersome. It's big. I'll never use it again. But boy, there's something I love about it. <laughs> <laughs> that one may just be the white elephant I uh, I drag around. But anyway, so the Whisper AI is good enough that what I'm going to do, this will be the very first show that Whisper is part of the production pipeline. I'm going to finish the show. I'm going to save it, export it to Wave, and I'm going to run Whisper over the Wave so that when I go through the process of editing the show and writing the show notes, I'm going to have a transcript right there. So that that transcript won't be used for anything but uh, it will be a one-time use and then thrown away because once I edit the show, the transcript's not the same because I've taken stuff out and changed it, and you know it's different. But then I will retranscribe it in the final pu- published MP3. I have watched it publish the uh, Gentle Readers theme song many times, <laughs> and also uh, uh, Ian McShane from Deadwood uh, at the end many times. They're uh, generally the same. There's some uh, funny variations from time to time. So. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I, I'm running it over the entirety of the archive of the shows. Theoretically, it's I'm just finished the, like, I paused it, just control Z. It's running on my Linux laptop in a command line, in a shell process. Um, and I just control Z it to pause it um, because I don't want the CPO uh, pegging while I'm recording the show. But um, I wrote a little script that just takes my entire podcast archive, you know, six over 600 episodes dating back 18 years and uh, sorts them lexically, you know, uh, high to low, which would be the newest shows to the oldest shows, except that the first two months of this program, I had a screwed up naming convention before I went to the standard ISO 8601, like year, month, date. Nice thing about that is when you sort it alphabetically, you sort it chronologically. It's the same. 
But I didn't do that till about October 2004. So in fact, what I did was I transcribed like the earliest two months and now I'm transcribing new to old. What I'm going to do then is there's a certain amount of clerical work involved in this and some copying and pasting, but I'm going to take those, um, those transcripts and in Obsidian, I'm going to paste the transcript. I have a little folder. I already have this, a folder and I'll, for every episode that I publish since the Obsidian Day started, it has a folder with one thing in it, which is the show notes for that thing. When I publish it on the web and to you know the podcast feed, uh, I, I composed all that stuff in Obsidian, copied and pasted it, and then went from there. What I'm going to do is now every folder is going to have a second um, file in there, which is the transcript of the show, as done by Whisper. So that uh, if I go to the Obsidian search for a topic or a keyword or something, I will turn up the shows where I talked about it. Now, that's uh, assuming the transcription was correct, like Sonoff might be a tough one to search for, but you know, <coughs> that whole thing where I don't know if I have talked about a thing, um, I can pre-screen, I can now pre-screen the list and say, have I talked about that thing? By the way, <laughs> as I'm watching uh, it both, when I'm doing Whisper, it both saves files, but it's also putting it like, printing it out to the screen line by line as it's searching it. And in the most recent show, I talked about that Clayton Christensen and the audiobook. And then I'm, it's transcribing a show from, I think, early October 2004. And I'm talking about fucking Clayton Christensen and that fucking audiobook. And I'm like, God damn it. it. Really, really, is this how we're doing things around here? I, that once I... I randomly transcribing an old show and he just literally literally down to the format of the thing the same topic oh good lord but anyway that's um it's an interesting experiment it's i don't see any reason why and by the way i'm not doing the uh i'm not doing the beefiest thing i might actually i'm doing the default and you can do what looks for a better transcription and i might even like after i get after doing the um the everything right i don't want it to take longer um and use more memory when i'm doing 600 episodes but i might actually use the best um quality um when i do the final show you know for the searching just to see what it does and uh it might be even better transcripts for those i we shall see but anyway it's an experiment um Speaking of experiments, um, we're continuing on with Mastodon. Um, again, go to the show notes at evilgeniuschronicles.org. You will find um, my Mastodon address that you can follow me. Also, you can subscribe to this blog and podcast via Mastodon. Do at Dave at evilgeniuschronicles.org, and you will be able to do uh, do all this stuff. Now, I kind of vaguely, there's sort of this hippy-dippy techno-utopian Fediverse business, right? Mastodon's great because it's the Fediverse and it's an open standard and an activity pub. And, you know, like I say, I'm a, I'm a, there's this kind of anti-appeal to authority that I use sometimes, which is to say, I got a master's degree in computer science and I've been doing this for 25 years and I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> so I, I guess that really flatters me that I should know what you're talking about because those two facts don't uh, preclude me being stupid. <laughs> Demonstrably, sometimes I'm pretty, pretty stupid. But uh, so, you know, all that activity pub stuff is like, well, all well and good. But when the rubber hits the road, what does that do for me? 
I'm actually now just beginning to get that because, um, so when I installed the, you know, I'm not going to rehash the story from previous time, you know, activity pub plugin on WordPress means it pushes out instead of having to do the social network auto poster, which is by the way, turned off or possibly deleted off my WordPress. It's the most useful plugin that I hated every second that I've ever used it. Like I never liked it, but I needed what it did. It was almost like a Stockholm syndrome thing. And I paid them however much I paid them for the pro version, which was not cheap. It was three figures. Was it a hundred bucks? It might have been two hundred. I may have paid two or two fifty for this freaking thing that never quite worked right. It was never quite satisfying. Ugh. But um, I don't need that, right? And so here's an- another Fediverse thing: is there's something called Bookworm. So it's all one word with a Y. B O O K W Y R M. More hippy dippy shit. <laughs> it's also a Fediverse thing that uses Activity Plug, and it's a alternative to Goodreads. So it's not Mastodon. It is a separate thing. It's a it's a unique application that also uses the same protocol. Okay, so it's not uh, exactly Mastodon. It just talks the same. Uh, you know, it just talks the same language as Mastodon. Okay, and. Um, but it has, it's built to track books and it does all the same stuff. Track your books, your two read books, uh, you track your progress, leave a review, give it a star rating. And then also does the recommendation stuff, which is people that liked, you know, basically the Amigo fish, the collaborative filter stuff, figure out who has your similar tastes and what did they like. Now we're talking a user base in the, across every instance, probably low five figures. Like on the instance that I have, I think it's 500 people, something like that. I mean, it's not a huge thing. And Goodreads is however many millions, like 50 million or something. So, uh, you know, you're you're going to lose out on network effects. But I started farting around with the thing. Um, I joined, I think I joined yesterday, just created a bookworm account. I um, There's a, another alternative. I've actually set up two different Goodreads alternatives, and I'm absolutely blanking on what the other one is. Um, and I set them up both. So I already had my Goodreads export, you know, of my data on my mobile phone. And so from my phone, I join Bookworm. Uh, I import my Goodreads data. And uh, of the 212 books, it had problems, I think, with 12 of them. I imported 200, had problems with 12. So 12 are going to need a – and mostly those are some obscure books that uh, will need a little bit of uh, help. And it brought in my ratings, it brought in all my data, my red dates, you know, it's all in there. And now every one of like all my things that were updates that I posted to Goodreads are now like posts in that instance. And when I, just as an experiment, I did a new, I posted my progress on this Brian Eno biography that I'm reading. And uh, before I had done that, by the way, I had subscribed to my, my Bookworm account from my Mastodon account. And I subscribe, you know, I make the... um. I recorded my progress, and I'll be goddamned if my Mastodon account didn't get a little post that says, Dave Slusher is reading, you know, on a faraway beach, uh, and is at 5%. And it just came through as a standard Mastodon post. Now I'm really starting to understand the power of this whole thing. You can have two applications that are not the same thing that have a common way of communicating, like throwing packets of information and understanding them and moving them back and forth. And uh, it's 
it's getting good. <laughs> it's getting good, friends. What this implies is, is uh, there's this is not at all. This is barely at the beginning. Like, if this were a uh, hundred yard dash, the feet have just left the blocks. <laughs> And we're in the middle of the first step. That's what I think is happening here. So again, I am not a activity pub maximalist. I'm not a. I'm neither a bookworm nor mastodon. Uh, I want to say maximalist, but I mean I'm enjoying them. But I'm like if you criticize either one, I'm not going to freak out. That to me is, I'm I'm not thin skinned about either thing. That's when I was talking before about the maximalist a couple of shows ago. I think that's the part that I really uh, should have honed in on, which is it's not that you think it's great because people think their stuff is great. It's can you robustly hear criticism about the thing without taking it personally and without uh, flying off at the handle? That's, I think the important thing. If you can't, then you, 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 you actually, those are the things where you begin to work as an anti-advocate for your project, because now you say, and somebody says, well, Mastodon isn't perfect. You go, what? <laughs> That's the whole thing, like Scoble, you're like freaking out, when, you know, 10 years ago when the guy said AI would not take over or uh, artificial augmented reality wouldn't take over in the next five years. And Scoble like lost his mind, <laughs> which, you know, may have been a durable uh, state. So um, that's fun. The thing I was saying uh, last show about is Bookworm becoming a problem uh, it absolutely is. <laughs> so it's not that there's no me, there's no um, algorithm feeding me stuff to try to keep me addicted. I'm just getting addicted all on my own. I absolutely have got to figure out my healthy level with this thing. Um, and no one's going, to, no one's trying to make it bad for me, but I'm just making it bad for myself. I've got to figure out probably a time box, which is uh, I have got to figure out, like if I start using it, I can't, can't read and write for more than 10 minutes at a time, something like that. I can't sit down and realize I've spent the entire morning reading and writing Mastodon stuff to people, which is fun. It is fun. It is. I'm actually in an argument with Jeff Jarvis and James Glick about the open library. <laughs> what is happening in this world? But anyway, <clears throat> by the way, I have a couple of James autographed James Glick books. He wrote uh, faster, and you know, so he's like a New York Times bestseller, like popular science type writer guy. And um, I just happened to be. This would have been right after I left Portland. I was back in Portland, um, and I met up with my old coworkers who did a Friday night happy hour. And I went to the Friday night happy hour, and then I went to to Powell's right afterwards, and James Glick was in the middle of a book signing. I was like, well, fuck it. I'll buy a couple of James Glick books and have them signed. So I got a couple signed James Glick books. And uh, there you go. And now I'm, uh, he's uh, anti-open library. Like it takes food out of people's mouth. And I'm like, dude, there is no way. <laughs> I'm on the dude, there's no way uh, side of that argument. So also on Mastodon, one of the things that's generally happening is there was a time, uh, you know, I talked about Create South uh, fondly. Um, and, uh, that there was a community, there was a Grand Strand, Myrtle Beachy tech community and a Charleston tech community that kind of morphed into a thing that's larger than all that. And that uh, we had, uh, our moment, our, like all Camelots, we had our shining moment. And then, uh, you know, Arthur catches Lancelot with Guinevere and <laughs> so we, uh, had a good couple of years where we held together and then things, you know, kind of fragmented. And so I'm sort of kind, 
I'm sort of kind of trying to rebuild the Grand Strand end of that. And the Charleston people have their, you know, their stuff as well. And I saw some of them and we kind of chatting. I was chatting with some of the Charleston people on Mastodon. And what we wanted to do was just find a hashtag to organize around. And I suggested Coastal SC Tech. Um, and somebody else suggested that Low Country Tech could also be an alternative. And I was like, yeah, but Low Country implies South, the Southern part of South Carolina. So Charleston, absolutely Low Country, is the northmost part. <laughs> of the coast of South Carolina is that part of the low country <sighs> only like the most um, generous definitions. Like you'll look at what they, the map in uh, Wikipedia and it's, <laughs> they have this map based on how commonly it's called the low country. And so you get this, like, it's like a heat map that just gets cooler and cooler the farther you get from uh, Charleston. And it does not include, <laughs> does not include where I live. Now I'm kind of in this position we're in a position, there is no leader of this. It's really like six people talking. There's no leader. There's no decision maker. There's no authority. But the only thing that, and this is that thing I say over and over again, it does not matter so much what the decision is. It does matter that there is a decision and there's one thing. And we all agree on the one thing and we use the one thing. And so, uh, you know, we ask people, if you invite them to Mastodon, put Coastal SC Tech in your introduction post or in your profile and we'll find you. And then we can kind of reorganize. And so then the question is, who, who says that that's it? Like, so the situation that, that they're in is there's no one in authority. Well, someone has to decide who makes the call. I was like, God damn it. Am I going to, it feels like more than it should. I am that person. I am so gun shy about the perception or the reality that I am taking over the conversation. I don't want that. What I really am always trying to do in these situations, trying to walk it up to the thing and get somebody else to say, I think we should do this. And I say, second it. That's what I want to happen. It doesn't happen. I'm like, uh, am I going to have to be the person that says, we're doing this? And I ended up being the person that says, we're doing this. I'm like, God damn it, guys. Someone else. Someone take the lead. This is kind of how, I mean, when we were doing Create South, this is kind of how it happened. right? The When it comes down to it, there were three people that wanted this thing to happen. And we made it happen. And lots of people thought it was a good idea. But three people said, we want it to happen so much, we're going to go book a venue. Like that activation energy from good idea to we put down the deposit on a space. <laughs> like that is going to clear out 99.7% of everybody who thinks it's a good idea, who has the best intention, like that step. So I don't want to be the dictator. I don't want to do that stuff. But uh, someone had to. It's like, well, we could dither forever or I could just sort of make the call and possibly possibly be a dick in the process. Maybe I am being an overly authoritative dick. What I want is someone else to be the overly authoritative dick so then I can be snippy about it. But it didn't happen, so I did it. I was like, ah. And that just seems the decisions that are medium important, those are the seem to be the hardest ones to make. They're medium important. It's not 
I mean, if we went with low country tech, it, we would have survived that. We would have just adapted and people in Myrtle would have had to remember that that's what they have to do. It's not, it would absolutely not have been the end of the world. So I just, I just hate, I hate to be in that spot, but talking about the activation energy, you know, the, the identifying of whatever the thing is, that thing, what is the thing? What is the one thing that this stalled project would do to get it over the hump? Um, and I have multiple stalled projects. Um, like I published a zine right before the election in 2000. There's never been a month since then where I thought I should start working on issue two. It is now two years and f- three months since that point. I do not, I have zero pages of uh, issue number two of the zine done. Do you know what the one thing that holds it down is, is that I need I wanted to start doing some collages and start writing articles. I can write the articles anytime, but to do the collages, I need some piece of paper and I need to cut them to the right size because when I reduce them 77%, I need to have pieces of paper so that they fit right on the thing. When you shrink them, you reduce them 77%. So I need a um, 11 by seven and one eighths piece pieces of like heavy cardstock type paper. If I do that, I can start making collages on those you know what I don't, and by the way, I own cardstock paper. I own, I like before the first zine, I popped for a pretty nice uh, paper cutter. I have the nice paper cutter and I have the nice heavy paper. The holdup is I have not cut the things to seven and one eighth, which to do the, to do everything I need is probably, I'm going to estimate 90 seconds of work <laughs> and that is holding up the entire enterprise. So I have realized that. It's like, why don't I sit down and cut myself a stack of paper, more than I will need for this project, so that at no point am I ever held up by the lack of an 11 by 7 and 1 eighths sheet of cardstock. How about that? (laughs) So just identifying that thing. Uh, I'm not, I don't know exactly how to do this. I'm doing a pseudonymous, is that how you pronounce that? Pseudonymous? I'm doing a project as a character. It will not, I repeat, not be hard to figure out the link between the character and me. However, I also have decided I am not breaking kayfabe on this character at any point. So I'm not going to say at any point that I am this character. However, anyone who pays any attention will be able to tell I am this character. And this character will never admit that this character is a character. I, these, are all, these are the design decisions I have made on this stupid thing. And I have been wanting to do this thing for at least nine years. Possibly, I found a 2015 email where I said I was wanting to do this to somebody else. And I'm pretty sure the impetus was at least a year and maybe two years earlier than that. So uh, that thing, and I have had the domain name for this. Probably I had it in 2015. So I've paid you know hundreds of bucks on this project. And uh, I'm doing it. I'm going to release um, the promo for it on Monday, and I'm going to release the first episode on Thursday. So uh, <laughs> I I went around and I took a bunch of ridiculous uh, selfies and uh, just cre- created ridiculous assets. And I was uh, dithering on the theme music, and I realized I'm just going to overtrack my own voice. I'm just going to do an acapella, almost tuneless song, because <laughs> it fits with the aesthetic of this 
clueless, bumbling Mr. Magoo character who does not know mostly what he's talking about. And I will say that everything I have done as this character so far, it's so fun to play a totally inept character who does not know total the character is totally inept. I'm having so much fun with this. So that project shall be coming out pretty soon. Um, and, and it really was just, again, it was stopped by the smallest things. So I'm trying to just get the small things out of my own way. Um, so um, <clears throat> one of the things, I will post a link to the original um, toot. I hate that. I, I would like to come up with an alternate <laughs> term for that. But the original post uh, on Mastodon by this guy who is apparently, I mean, apparently it is of either Indian or Pakistani origin and basically um, was one and not by far not the only of the uh, Mastodon so white <laughs> type posts I've seen. Which was exactly the opposite of my, I, I, I posted this, which is, my experience was exactly the opposite, which is, I followed a couple people of color, and before you know it, they're boosting and posting and replying to other people of color, and I didn't do anything. Like, at no point did I say, I need some people of color in this, I need to de-whiten my Mastodon experience. Uh, that was never a design goal. Um, I just said, if I see something interesting... And I predict that person will be interesting. I follow them. And like uh, I did a rough head count and like 40% of uh, what I can tell is like non-white, non-white male. So they're either not male or not white. And in some cases, neither. Um, so, you know, and then there's some of them are not discernible. So it's roughly uh, the same number of uh, uh I don't know. I'm getting the math on the, the demography wrong here. But what I'm saying is my I did not try to make my Mastodon non-white, and yet it's non-white because all I did was follow interesting people because that's where the interesting people are. And I find it pretty frustrating because the analogy – I haven't – I had a thing in my head that I've never actually written. But um, like the the – if you think Mastodon's too white, the – Remedy is to look at the hashtag Black Mastodon or Black Joy or Black Friday and follow literally the first person you see at the top of that. And then as they interact with people, follow those people and your feed will not be white. It's really, really easy. And the analogy I was coming up with is let's say you go to Atlanta and you stay at a hotel in Alpharetta and you never leave Alpharetta, Georgia. Your experience is going to be that Atlanta is really, really white. <laughs> and then if you did exactly the same process, but you stayed in uh, East Point, you're going to have a very, very different experience about what the demography of Atlanta is. So if you go into this place that has lots available to you and you see uh, only one kind of person, that's because you went where that one kind of person is, right? This is Converge South, right? Tech conferences are really, really white. So we held one at a historically black college, and it wasn't really white. That ain't rocket surgery, friends. It's not that hard to figure out. So I'm trying to um, – I do believe that if your experience on Mastodon is that it's very white, that's because you followed white people that only talk to white people. That's on you. And it's really, really hard to not do that. So – um, let me take a quick sip of this. Oh, not even exactly room temperature. Yesterday's coffee. This is this is where we're at. <laughs>
Mm. This is where the experience lives nowadays, friends. All right, last, I think, last um, topic. Um, kind of a bummer, so I put it at the end. So this topic is a little bit of a downer, but uh, I have multiple times pointed to uh, Sianna Stewart's Dying Kindness podcast, which I find quite um, useful. And it is it has two foci. Uh, you know, making your the end of your life easy for other people and dealing when you're the caregiver for someone else's end of life. And, you know, we're, I mean, we're in both situations in the fact that like I have no terminal disease and no uh, expectation I'm going to pass anytime soon. But if I get hit by a car tomorrow, it would actually be problematic, uh, you know, for my family. So, uh, you know, I am in the process of, you know, I'm treating it as a project, filling out Sienna's um, death binder which has the information. Like if I suddenly die, here's where the money is. Here's where the passwords are. Here's how to do this stuff. Here's how to pay. <laughs> here's what to do if the power, you know, the water bill, I, I handle all that stuff. And so um, if I die, the institutional uh, inside this household, the institutional memory of how you do a lot of this stuff, it's figurable outable because I figured it out, but there's going to be a lot going on at that point and having to also like figure out how to fix the auto draft on a thing. That's not kind to the other person to make them also figure that out at the same time as you know, they're figuring out how to bury you and all that shit. So, um, but let me just say as somebody who has somebody in our circle that is, you know, at this stage, could be tomorrow, could be next year, but it's not going to be, it would be highly surprising if it was 10 years from now. It's, you know, it's a person who is quite, um, quite aged. And this person can realistically uh, expect that they're, you know, they're in the end game. They, they understand this. They actually have been saying that they're in the end game for 20 years because that's a uh, tradition in this family. Uh, this gentleman's mother uh, spent from the age of 70 to 89 when she died talking about how she wasn't going to live another six months. <laughs> you know, you know that, you know, the type that's who we're talking about. So, you know, that you're at the end of your life. Uh, you may have another month, you may have another year, but we're talking those kinds of timescales. There's different approaches you could have. If you're at that, one of them is you could be, you could say, and let's say also that you had, say, a problematic relationship with a number of people. Let's say you've had alcohol problems. Let's say you had rage problems. Let's say you've been problematic. You could spend this time to say, well, look, uh, it's the classic uh, conversion uh, situation, which is, you know, I don't have that much long. I could try to be nice and I don't even have to do it that long because I don't have that much long, that much longer left. So you can make amends. You could try to be kind. You could be thankful for the people who are organizing their life around your care, who put aspects of themselves on hold just to deal with you. You could do that. The other way you could do, approach it is you could double down on being an asshole and yell at everyone about everything and be angry at the only people who <laughs> care about you. You could be angry at every little thing. Um, let's say you drink one boost every day and you have 150 bottles of boost in your house. This is entirely hypothetical. I'm not, <laughs> I'm putting no one on blast. Let's just say 
out of the thin air, I'm pulling this out of my ass. And let's say you're down, you get, you're at 150 and now you're down to like 120. You could freak out about how somebody needs to go to Sam's and buy you more boost because you only have five months left. You, or you could just be calm and, and, uh, but no, you could, I think probably the way to go there is to just be angry that people are not jumping up to run to Sam's because you're down to 150 boosts, man. What, like what happens if the power goes out supply chain, you could just be, you could just be a dick. You say, well, being a dick got me this far. Why should I change now? That is an approach that a person could take towards the end of their life. And as I, as I think about this, um, you know, the, the, my, um, atheism is not, um, a secret nor, uh, for any longtime listener, not a shock. And, you know, I'm not contemptuous of, uh, deists and theists and Christians and, or Muslims or anyone. I'm, I'm not you, you do you, I will do me. Will everything will be fine. But one of those things, there is this paradox. Um, and having had, you know, my mom, uh, PG Holfield, uh, Andre Pope, all these people died of cancer, you know, within the last five years, uh, when did PG die? PG may have died in 2015. So let's say within the last 10 years, these are all people I know. They all died. All of them went from diagnosis to dead in a fast time. I think Andre held on the longest, but it, I don't even think that was a year. I think it was maybe eight months. Um, my mom and PG were like from diagnosis to death was like between six weeks and two months, somewhere in that vicinity. It's like not long at all. So let's say um, you were a complete atheist and then you get this diagnosis or let's say you were worse than an atheist. Let's say you were just anti everything. You hated everything. You're like a Stalin type. And then you get this diagnosis and you have a conversion. <sighs> and that's one of those paradoxes of Christian theology. It says you have converted, you accept Christ into your life, you, you know, whatever, you get baptized as an adult, you do all this stuff. Um, and now, and then you die two days later and you go to heaven. Um, and meanwhile, this, you, this person lived a life of destruction, uh, you know, made the world a worse place versus the person who generally is good, you know, tries to, you know, feeds people and is compassionate and helps people, but is also an atheist. That person goes to hell because the the Jesus part is more important than the good part. That part, that's where you lose me, man. That somebody who like helps and is kind and does, does all the stuff espoused by the dude in the book and like all the red writing in the book from the dude, um, somebody who does all that stuff, but doesn't acknowledge the dude, that person goes to hell for eternity for the sin of not believing in the dude. So meanwhile, people who believe the dude believe in the dude and don't do the stuff, they go to heaven, right? People who are just, let's say they're uh, elected officials and they talk a big uh, game and then they just make lives worse. And all they do is try to hurt people and they know it. Those people go to heaven or they think they're going to heaven. This is this is how you lose me. This is why I am the way I am. This is why I believe what I believe is I just I can't reconcile those things. You know, every so often I will have somebody try to reconcile it for me and it's always been under uh, always been unsatisfying. Uh 
I understand why you guys believe what you believe, but that's just... <sighs> Plus, also, this also implies that if you were going to have a late-in-life conversion, that heaven will have more people who died of cancer than died in a car accident. Because people who <laughs> die in cancer, uh, they have an opportunity for this because they know it's coming. And the people who die in a car accident, it's like, oh, uh, I've got half a second to convert to Christ. <laughs> that doesn't happen. So statistically, heaven is going to have more slow deaths than fast deaths, because that's just the way that works out. <laughs> if, right? It's, you know, it's just epidemiology. It's just statistics and stoichastics at this point. And that's the part I can't reconcile, is that, um, you know, that that... The dying a slow death is somehow more deserving of heaven than dying a quick death. So, said it was going to be a bummer topic. <laughs> it's a bummer topic. I think. Shall we leave it there? Uh, hell, why not? Okay. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being involved. Um, the show notes will have lots of stuff. It'll have links to Whisper and Mastodon and Bookworm and all the things. And it should be as complete a show notes as I've ever done because I will have a robot helping me uh, with a robotic transcription so I don't miss a topic. Uh, sometimes I miss them because I just am writing down as fast as I can while I listen back. And I pause sometimes to go uh, get more links. And I just sometimes I just miss one because I'm, I'm a human dude. But the robots are robots. So there you go. And before we get out of here, let's do a little thing we call the reading of the patrons. The following people went to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-C Patreon, and they pledged to keep this shambling mess a shambling. Thank you to the following people. Derek Coward, Adam Rittenauer, Ken Kennedy, Paul Fisher, R. Hooley, Robert Harvey, Paul Smith, Andrew Heron, Grant Bachoco, Tony Ewing, Craig Stepp. Paul Reynolds, Shannon Nelson, Charlotte Kennedy, Leah, The Enigmagic, Angela Lee, Chuck Tomasi, Stuart Maxwell, Michael Butler, Bruce Lerner, Skeeter Murphy, Robert Gibson, Len Edgerly, Melissa A. Bartell, Andrew Howe, Michael Street, Neil Forker, Dyko, Kevin Freedy, Brian Springer, Tim Shaw, Rob Usden, John Gehring, Wayne Pittenger, Brian Jones, Joe Pollock, Jeff Dangle, J.P. Shippard, Steve Holden and patrons in exile, Nutty Nukchas and Eric Peterson. Thank you one and all for your support. And with that, let us kill the music and get on out of here. Thank you for listening. Email me, dave at evilgeniuschronicles.org. Go to the show notes at evilgeniuschronicles.org. Do what you can to make anything better for anyone today. How about that? It's a really small goal. Make anything better better for anyone. If everyone did that, everything would be better for everyone. Thank you for listening. Do not forget as you go out into this cruel world that I love you. Good. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles. This microphone is fucking half an inch too high. God damn it. Okay. First, a song via one of the primary mechanisms that I get songs that I know, find about what first let's have a song. And I found out about this by one of my mind. My... What?
track your progress, read, 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 I'm I'm saying nothing. I'm changing my mind. Show notes will have lots of stuff. It'll have links to Worcester. Every step of fucking adventure.